You're listening to the I'm in my 20s podcast, a candid documentation of making the best of our 20s. My name is May, and I am a 20-something with a passion for personal development and living life to its absolute fullest. So let's do this together. Um, when we think about suffering, uh, we usually think about, you know, when traumatic events happen in our life, right? Or, you know, when you're, you're like two hours of sleep and you're trying to get through your day, you're like, you're really suffering. So um, he made an important distinction that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Oh, I love yeah. that. Yeah. So we don't need to compound our pain into suffering by, by having pain about the pain. So basically suffering is pain about the pain. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 61, officially season six of the podcast. We have three months left of 2022. So you know what, guys? We are going to absolutely kill it in Q4. (laughs) As you can probably tell, guys, I'm kind of in hustle mode right now. Something happened when August turned into September. It's just Summer Meg just completely disappeared, and now Hustle Meg is totally back. I'm here doing my podcast again, focusing on my career, um, working out every single day and I made this crazy like I mean crazy spreadsheet just to track my Q4 goals and maybe I'll share that with you guys on a future episode but all the friends that I've shared it with so far have been like yo Meg what is this like I haven't seen something like this is like (laughs) this is like planning on steroids okay so yeah that's what I I'm at I'm like right now side story before we get started on this amazing episode with Carlo just a funny side story because I think it's funny just and as a warning okay do not sit on wobbly chairs guys because two days ago I sat down in my room to work and granted I don't really do much work in my room anymore because I love to work from the office but I decided to just sit down in my room and work and my chair was a little wobbly I didn't think much of it until just I just shifted in my chair like a tiny bit and all of a sudden the front legs just literally like they just they just snapped off like no joke it snapped off and the chair just fell on the floor and I landed buttocks first on the floor like booty first like smack on my hardwood floor and I was kind of in shock I didn't really think much of it and it was funny because my chair made a loud bang I didn't make any noise and my mom rushed into my room and she was like what happened what happened are you hurt and I was like um my chair literally just snapped in half and I hit my butt you know I didn't really think much of it I just went back and kept doing my own thing right and then yesterday which is the day after the incident I went to the gym and I was trying to hit leg day because Monday's leg day and I just love leg day and then I tried to do my Bulgarian split squats and oh boy my left glute was like nope nope Meg we are not doing that today and I was like gosh darn it and I went and tried to do like the barbell squats and even when I was using both legs at the same time my left glute was still like nope Meg we are not doing that today so I was just in pain so um yeah I hurt my gluteus maximus or whatever I went on google and I spent the rest of my time in the gym doing stretches on the mat mat and just searching down I fell on my buttocks and it hurts buttocks anatomy where is the tailbone where is the gluteus maximus how to know if i broke a bone how to heal an injured ass basically so yeah anyways my warning to you guys after the sad very tragic story because i can't hit legs for probably a week and a half at least which is really really sad to me okay do not sit on wobbly chairs it's dangerous okay just don't do that to yourself one wrong move and your booty could be in pain and you can't go to the gym anymore anyways side story 
let's go back to this conversation. Carlo, if you're listening to this, sorry, I just had to share that. But you know, we have like around two hours of good content in this episode with my wonderful, wonderful friend, Carlo Santos. So I'm just gonna read a little blurb that he sent me over just to describe him because I can't do this justice, okay? So from the small beginnings of just several students when Carlo was just a teenager, he now currently teaches piano and music theory lessons full-time to over 40 students on a weekly basis in his private studio in Calgary. So he is a piano consultant part-time as well, helping people find their dream piano or stepping stone to having one eventually. In 2020, he was awarded the National Gold Medal from the Royal Conservatory of Music for his licentiate performance. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Long story short, Carlo is currently pursuing his career with his passion combined full-time as a piano teacher and he has just surpassed his 30 mark year 30 not 30 years doing piano as in like he just turned 30 like you know a few months ago um but this conversation is very interesting because we go back in time and talk about how he actually started his career thinking he might have wanted to be an engineer you know and so this conversation not only touches on the various aspects of his career the three phases he went through which are tied very closely to how he embraced self-improvement and developed self-awareness over time also the role of how psychedelics helped with that awakening which is very very interesting to me guys (laughs) as well as topics including megalomania what does that mean you'll find out Hustle culture, the cost of ambition, what it really means to find happiness, meaning, and ultimately a state of mind where you're in utter peace, self-healing versus self-help, whether or not money buys happiness, the power of presence, limiting beliefs, debunking them, intentionality, and as well as a lot of really awesome, you know, Buddhist, Stoic-like learnings that Carlo gained from his meditation retreat. There's so much good stuff in here. I highly recommend everyone just give it the full listen, okay? Now, enough of my blabbing. Let's get straight into this conversation with Carlo Santos. Okay, everyone, we are on season six and I cannot believe it. I'm already halfway through my age 24 and I've so I've learned so much and met so many great people along the short break that I've taken from this podcast. And one of these people that I brought onto my podcast is someone that I kind of met like serendipitously through like, you know, through a random way. We just ended up connecting really, really well. So welcome to my podcast, Carlo. Um, can you give an introduction of yourself and maybe a bit about how we connected? Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, this is my first podcast, so Virgin Podcast <laughs> recording. Um, so I am a musician, an educator, and a sales associate uh, in everything related to music. So basically what I tell people is that when I'm not teaching piano and music i'm playing the piano Mm. and when i'm not playing the piano i'm selling pianos (laughs) so my whole (laughs) it's 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 quite funny that you say serendipitously because uh i I feel like a lot of things in my career have been serendipitous Mm. so yeah that's that's about uh, who you know who i am 
mm. career-wise. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we can get into all the other details as, as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. You have such a unique like um, point in your career as well. And I'm very interested in learning a lot more about how you got to this point. I guess in terms of like how we connected, it was um, through Maggie. <laughs> So, Carlo, who yeah. is Maggie? <laughs> Hi, yeah. Maggie, if you're listening yeah. to this, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I still have that picture where you put your hair into, like, a little beard. Oh, my God. Do, yes. do you remember that? Oh, my God. It's so, it's so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what was that day? What was the context of that day? <laughs> uh, the context of that day was actually we were supposed to meet at a cheesecake cafe. Yeah. And we, we met at the wrong one. Oh, yeah, we, we did. Meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think like the energy, the extroverted energy was just so palpable. Mm-hmm. So I was I was I was afraid that we were gonna, you know, get told by some people in the establishment to say, you know, like keep your voices down. Shut up. Because yeah, yeah. Be- because Maggie and I have been at a restaurant yeah. and just laughing. Yeah. And people were like, uh, excuse me, can you can you use your inside voices? <laughs> like Sorry, we just have like one voice. <laughs> Pretty much. So, That's happened to me, yeah. Maggie, like many times too. I'm sure she's told yeah. you. And it's funny because we were like sitting outside, but people still told us to shut up because we were being too loud. So yeah. for context listeners, Carlo is Maggie's boyfriend and Maggie is one of my most like, I just love her so much. She's one of my like best friends. And so I met Carlo through Maggie and the three of us were all very extroverted, very thoughtful, very introspective. So just imagine, you know, three people passionately talking about the deepest stuff, but just being extremely obnoxious about it, I guess, for lack of a better word. And um, Carlo, I really, something I really appreciate about you, like the moment that we met, to be honest, is you just went straight into the deep conversations. Like we didn't have to go through (laughs) any of that. Oh, how's day what do you do for work you know i don't remember exactly what question you asked but i actually did a whole journal entry about it after um, we first met because your question was so good yeah (laughs) i I know what the question was it was basically what's real for you meg Mm, yeah Yeah. and and i think on on another podcast episode where we talk about relationships and friendships Mm -hmm. uh I'll, i'll share about how friendships have really you know, influenced me. And, and that question that, you know, what's real with you was a question that one of my closest friends uh, asked me. And I, Mm. you know, I basically used it ever since because it's, it's, I think it's a very honest question. And, and I think it leaves it open-ended, you know, people don't have to, 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 you know, people can share what they want to share. So anyway, we can Mm -hmm. talk about that in in the other episode. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Spoiler alert, Carl, it's going to be on two episodes. (laughs) But yes, questions like that, that really, really gets you to think. So yes, I'm so excited to get into an introspective conversation with you today. So for context as well, how old are you? <laughs> uh, well, I turned 30 in June. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So I'm only like, you know, three, three months uh, you know, into my 30s. But I, I still very much, I, I don't really think about age. Like I didn't actually have a huge 30s bash because- wow. Uh, one of the things I want to talk about is just challenging the status quo. And so, you know, people have milestone bir- birthdays, like 18 and 30 and 40 and 50. So mm-hmm. I, I we, we can we can get into that. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have this huge bash because mm-hmm. uh, like things I, I'm I'm being aware of things and learning things all the time that I never really feel I've reached, you know, the destination. So mm-hmm. um, 
maybe I'll have like a 31 bash. Maybe I'll start something new. Maybe you're like, <laughs> like 34 and two months bash, you know, like <laughs> That's right. yeah. when it yeah. just hits you at the right time. Oh my gosh. So Carla yeah. has lived through the twenties, which is what we're all trying to navigate through this podcast. So let's hear a little bit about your career and the three phases that you went through. Go ahead. I'm all ears. Okay. All right. Thank you. So, um, Probably since I was seven years old, my one of my earliest uh, recollect, like, well, str- strongest memories is I, I wanted a f- Ferrari. Like I knew what a Ferrari was, mm-hmm. and and I, I could never remember if the the two R's were at the front or at the at the back <laughs> I don't of, of the word. So, yeah, it's at the front. So, oh. um, so anyway, I I was I was for as long as I can remember, I always loved tinkering with things with my hands. Um, like taking things apart, building 3D puzzles, and just really understanding how things work. So little did I know that that was more of like an interest in that my passion is actually music and, and education, sharing music with people. And, and so anyway, back, back to when I was in my teens, I, I thought I wanted to be an engineer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it, aunts and, and uncles, relatives, friends would ask me, oh, you know, Carla, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it, I, I said something that sounded cool, mm. but it wasn't really what I deeply you know, wanted uh, inside. So uh, I said, oh, I want to be an engineer and I want to get an MBA. Mm. So what the hell That's does cool. that mean? <laughs> No, it sounds it sounds impressive, right? Yeah. And and so that was that was kind of like the lie that I told myself, and I and I didn't know I was telling myself. So I would say that in this period, like this this first period of of uh, f- you know figuring out what I wanted to do after high school, um, I could sum it up as like failing to know myself. Mm. So. Um, my my older brother has been, was the first mentor in my life, and for as long as I can remember, even before I think I wanted a Ferrari, he said, "You know, know thyself," right? Which is which is a Greek aphorism, and you know he had told that to me plenty of times, and and I told that to myself when when faced with a decision or a difficult situation. But you know we're all trying to be self aware, and I think that as young people, we. We fail at it miserably. <laughs> like we think we think we want this thing, or we want to pursue this career, but little do we know that it's actually a lot different than we thought it was. So, uh, I went into university to study uh, mechanical engineering, and um, I did not do well in school. Like first year, it was just you know party central, going to the gym three mm. four times a week, uh, and. One of the first blows, actually, one of the first blows in my entire academic career was in high school. So are you familiar with the IB program? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I actually fully enrolled in the IB program. So it was full IB. And I did not actually get my IB diploma. Oh. I, I didn't get it. And that was something that was very hard to share with with friends uh, and even family at the time because, you know, my older brother had done it 
Uh, and my younger brother was, was going to do it. And, you know, all my closest friends, my girlfriend at the time, we were all in full IB. Mm-hmm. And so to, to not graduate from full IB, like that was a first blow mm-hmm. to like, academically speaking. Right. And, and, and for and, context and, for our listeners, if you don't know what IB yeah. is, it's um, basically like an accelerated like academic program, right? Is that how you would describe it? Yeah. 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 So you're learning university level material in high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anyway, the second blow came uh, in the first year of engineering, you know, and so at the like close to the end of the year, the first year, you're choosing your concentration. So mechanical or chemical software. And, you know, I wanted to be a mechanical engineer for, you know, at this point, like 10 years, right, when I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So I when I got the, the, the letter like online saying if you made it or not and i didn't make it to engineering oh. like mechanical engineering i was i was crushed i was like mm. what the hell like how could i just let this slip you know beyond my fingers right right and i i i i knew it like i didn't i didn't work hard i was not serious about my education i was squandering my time away so uh, yeah it was a huge blow and in second year of engineering I I was placed in geomatics engineering. Hmm. So you know the like people surveying outside. Yeah, it's, that's like half of geomatics engineering. Uh, yeah. Hmm. So um, anyway, so I I went into that because it had the most common courses as mechanical engineering. Hmm. Okay. So that means I would you know not waste as much time and money trying to make up ground. Right. So I went to the registrar like every other week saying, hey, can I get into the mechanical engineering class? Can I get into the mechanical engineering class? Because I wanted to take the least number of geomatics courses that I could to maximize uh, basically the courses available uh, in mechanical engineering students. But because they had a priority for mechanical engineering students, they can't just let anyone in. And the registrar did say, you know, if you do this and you don't make into engineering a second time, you're even farther behind in the geomatics degree. So I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm going for it. I, I guess I've been someone who had a tendency to take chances mm. um, to, to really like go after what it is I wanted. Um, so, or what I didn't want. Well, <laughs> 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 so, yeah. So a- anyway, uh, with, with, uh, with my girlfriend at the time, she really helped get my grades up. And actually in second year, I got the highest GPA I ever wow. had in university, which was like 3.6. Okay. So, yeah. So a- anyway, um, pretty much academically speaking, the rest of my engineering degree was like it was smooth sailing. And yeah, I graduated. Woohoo. And uh, at this time, I was not really practicing piano. So I took a hiatus from piano and I've been learning music since I was six, uh, you know, just just for background. And um, it, it just didn't occur to me that music was going to be the path. But that will come later. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Uh, I graduated from engineering 2015, and at the same time, because the way I had gone about my courses, I didn't pursue an internship, and I took summer courses almost every year. In my last year of engineering, I only had three courses in the first semester and one course in the second semester. So I decided to also complete my piano diploma uh, that I started working on in high school, but I did not finish in university it's just because busy. So in 2015, I actually graduated from engineering and I got my piano diploma uh, from the Royal Conservatory. And I was not looking for engineering jobs, actually, because I was working with a company called uh, LedCore. 
I know familiar with LightCore? Yeah. 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 So I was actually working on the fiber optic project uh, that was spearheaded in BC for TELUS. Mm. So LightCore was contracted by TELUS to build their fiber optic network. So anyway, I was I was working in that industry, uh, not even in engineering, but just like actually in sales. So I was, I, I, I became someone who is a, a liaison between the builders and the homeowners. And then I was selling the product. So, yeah. uh, and I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to contribute to more people watching TV, <laughs> <laughs> like you know, equipping a house with their seventh TV. Uh, so I was like, you know what, this doesn't feel right. So by complete serendipity, Right, I'm gonna use that word a lot. Yeah, uh, I got a job at the at my favorite piano store in Calgary. Oh. So this is a, this is a family-owned business. Uh, it's called Michael at Mickey Fine Pianos, and it's been a family business for like 30, 40 years, right? And it was my favorite piano store to go to when I was a teenager, and it just so happened that the old sales um, associate had left, mm. and the family they knew me from frequenting the store so many times, so they basically offered me the job like they said you should apply and i applied and i think the interview was just a formality and i got the job so that's 2015 now and at this time i was also teaching music part-time uh and i was you know by like really fortunately i was able to pay for my degree without any student loans mm. by just teaching piano on the side like i always nice. taught piano uh well since i was 15 so yeah, so 2015 hits, and I'm teaching about 15 or 20 students, and then working full time, and then, um, you know, big, big, well, not like a, a slow crescendo, which is like a build up, uh, mm -hmm. into 2018, where I was like overworked. I was taking on so many things, like my studio grew. I was working 40 hours, wow. and I was also involved in a multi level marketing scheme, mm, as well. pyramid scheme. <laughs> Yeah, so I was working like 80 hours a week. And so, you know, 2018 was kind of like the quarter life crisis. Yeah. Of my Were you life. like around 25-ish at that time? Uh, yeah, 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 25. Mm. Yeah, 25, 26. So, um, yeah, it was just long hours and um, like buying into a dream that wasn't mine. Mm. So I'll say this is kind of like the second phase. So I'm already established my career. Right. And I would say what I failed to do in this like phase of my life was challenge the status quo. I just, you know, I, and I also bought into, do you know what aphorisms are? Mm -mm. So an aphorism is like uh, actions speak louder than words or like mm. anything is possible. It's like a, it's a very short phrase. Uh, mm -hmm. That people often only take at face value, right. but they don't. They don't actually um, uh, interpret the phrase, right? So I was buying into these phrases, and I was also like a self help junkie. I think we talked about that on a on a catch up call. So yeah. self help junkie, and just you know wanted the money, wanted the prestige, wanted the recognition. Like I just wanted everything. And when you when you want everything, you actually have no priorities mm -hmm. because there's no hierarchy of, of priorities in your life. You just, you know, like it's a free for all. So um, just let me know if I'm going in too great of detail. Like I no, can this accelerate. Is great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, 2018 happened and um, uh, you, you know, I was my partner at the time, she was like 
recommending that maybe I should take some time off of work mm-hmm. for like nine months. So for nine months, it was going on where I was working, you know, gradually up to like 80 hours a week, not sleeping, not taking wow. care of myself. And it, it basically culminated in a, uh, I took a shroom trip. Mm. Yeah. So a, a really close friend of mine from high school, she was, well, my longest running friend uh, until then and now, um, she was really worried about me. And mm. she basically, I had started disrespecting our friendship. Um, so she'd want to she'd hang out and I'd be like, yeah, I can slot you in for like an hour. Shame. You know, I was treating her like an appointment. Mm. And, and you know, this she had seen this gradually happen over the several months and, until she said, you know, hey, you know, would you would you be interested in in this experience? Um, you know, she has a friend who's a social worker who facilitated the whole thing. So I, I, I felt, you know, very safe doing it. But um, without making a long to make a long, long story short, I that was like the most emotionally riveting experience of my life until that point. Mm. And I realized that, Oh my gosh, like what are you actually doing with your life? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, if you want to ask some questions up until now or uh, like right now, you can, I'm, I'm free. Yeah. Long monologue. Totally. That, no, thanks so much for sharing. Like that's, um, I was very, very engrossed in your talk. Just a preface for our listeners who don't know what shrooms is, because some people, that's the first time hearing, right? right? It's a psychedelic drug, right? And um, there's a lot of, you know, people can be controversial about it. Um, all in all, as a disclaimer, it is something that you really have to take like with caution in a safe environment with someone who's experienced facilitating you and you know, in a good, healthy headspace because people can yeah. have bad trips on it, right? I personally have also done psychedelics before, shrooms and mm-hmm. LSD, and it's also been a very enlightening and opening experience for me that really mm-hmm. shifted a lot of my perspective. So just want to give that disclaimer. But the question I want mm-hmm. to ask is, and I guess I can ask this like later too, if you want to talk about it later, is just this whole thing with like serendipity and how things line up. But I think we can slot that for later. The other thing I wanted to touch on was in this phase, I think the thing you mentioned in the beginning was self-awareness, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess for the next bit, I want to hear about how shrooms kind of changed your self-awareness. Was it the one thing that okay. flipped you on yeah. to look at yourself? Okay. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, great question. Uh, so one of my most vivid memories from that f- that first shroom trip was I was <laughs> contemplating my life and uh, just like sitting down, fumbling with my key fob. So at this time, I bought my first BMW and, uh, you know, it was like my first luxury car. I had two Honda Civics before. And so this was kind of like a like this was like a milestone for me. And mm-hmm. I looked at my keys and I was like, you you vain prick like you bought this car because of that damn emblem right Mm -hmm. and i was i threw my keys across the floor i was like so frustrated myself Uh, and i was like wow like you you know really you you bought the car so that people will you know like you and respect you and you know we we want these luxury goods or we want the status of a position without actually thinking about what lies underneath those those ambitions mm-hmm. right so uh, and then I, I I thought about my I thought about my mom and my younger brother 
And so the reason for that is because my mom has been one of my biggest supporters in my career, mm-hmm. uh, having attended so many of my concerts and, you know, talking about her children to her friends. And, and so, like, I thought about, wow, like, I am where I am, largely because of my mom and other people. And then, two, my younger brother, I had been – and we've talked about this more in the relationships, but I'll, I'll give a little bit of a of – a, like a, a teaser, like a, a teaser for it. So I, my, my younger brother and I are only a year and a half apart mm. and my house was party central, like in high school and university. Uh, like the, the number of times that my family put up with, with beer pong at 1 p 1 AM in the morning is like, it's too many, <laughs> it's too many, uh, way too many to be proud of. So, um, yeah. And, and his birthday is on December 31st. Mm-hmm. So, you know, while he's having his birthday or trying to have a birthday, I would have like all my friends take over the basement. And like, it didn't occur to me that, yo, dude, it's your brother's birthday. You should probably give, give him, you know, the time and the respect to have his friends over and enjoy. Mm-hmm. But no, like my friends were having a rager of a time uh, in the basement. So I, I actually called him. And full disclaimer, like, if you do decide to do psychedelics, you should put your phone away so that you don't make stupid calls. Uh, but I, I called him. Like, uh, you know, I, I kind of sneaked away from, from the the group. I went outside and I called my brother. He's like, Yo, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I was such a jerk. And, and he's like, okay, are you okay? <laughs> and then, and then my, 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 uh, my friend's friend who was facilitating the whole thing, he, like, ran out. I was like, Carlo! Okay, give me the phone give me the phone like, okay i just wanted to talk to my brother and then he's he said hey chris this is this is max um it's okay your brother's fine he's just having an experience and then my brother's like oh, okay 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 and then you know i told my brother like i love you thank you i'm Aww. sorry and then you know, hung up so anyway so those were I mean, there's so many i could go on about but the the two things that that I came to face with was, you know, the, the status and the recognition that I wanted and that it was all just like a, an artifice mm. and two, you know, forgetting the relationships. And those are only a few, like there's so many, um, but f- remembering the relationships that have both been meaningful and ones that I've harmed mm. in my journey of like lack of self-awareness or journey to self-awareness, if you want to put it that way. Mm. So, Damn. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That is wild. I relate with the thing with uh, when I was on shrooms and I had my phone on me, I texted like 10 people. I wasn't like crying, saying like, oh, my gosh, sorry. But I was texting them saying, right. I just want to let you know that I love you so much. And I was like, right, so right. emotional with like a billion heart emojis. So that yeah. drug really makes you like really in your feels. But most importantly, I think – Man, that thing you said about you looking at your keys to like the car you bought and thinking, holy shit, it's like this crazy self-awareness where all of a sudden all of your like your experiences growing up, like through your biases, like all the things that you've been programmed to think and believe about yourself and society and how to Mm -hmm. function. Like, I guess I would describe it as all those things being stripped away. Is that kind of what you felt in those moments? Um, Ah, yeah. You know, it's not so much that you're stripped away, but you're revealed to yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the way I like to describe it. So, um, 
when you strip away the biases and the preconceived notions and, and the programming, I think you're left with your true self, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Just your like, pure soul. You know, like, just observe. Just the best part of yourself. Yeah. And we, we have these experiences, uh, you know, near death or you know, death of a loved one. Um, but you can also have these experiences with introspection, with, you know, doing, doing these substances in a controlled environment. So the, the point here is, you know, can you practice enough self-awareness such that you can actually look into yourself and look behind all these, like the facade of, um, you know, your persona and your ambitions, which mm-hmm. are, you know, are not bad things in and of themselves, but they're, they're often what blinds us to who we really are. Mm-hmm. So well said. Um, I want to yeah. ask you a, a deepish question. Reflecting on that sure. specific period of your life, when you were working that many hours, would you describe yourself as happy? Or what was the emotion that you were feeling during those days? <laughs> no, no, it was, I was not happy. I was, I was desperate, actually. Desperate. Hmm. Yeah, uh, I was desperate. I was, um, <laughs> the word that came to mind was megalomania. <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, so it's delusions of grandeur or greatness, mm. right? Oh. So, um, so I would say my my self help journey began in when I was about eighteen when I worked in a door to door sales company. Right. So, what's what's really funny is that as a, as someone who's self employed, um, really enjoys working with people, relationships, building business. Why the hell did I not? enroll in business and communications, right? Like mm. a double major. Mm. Uh, I have no idea. So it still beats me to the same. Um, yeah, I worked in way more jobs in sales, like some of them that were just completely commission based than I ever did in engineering. I actually only worked four months in engineering, mm-hmm. but I worked many different sales positions. So yeah, my first experience in, in, in personal growth was, yeah, eight, um, Actually, the summer after my first year of university, where I worked for the door-to-door lawn aeration company, mm-hmm. and it was completely commission-based, and and that was the first time I had my like career mentor. So I would say, like, if you were to to have a like have a theme, a common theme in my life is just the importance of having mentors in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my brother was my like personal mentor when I was young. Um, and then this, this, the second guy, uh, he was my mentor in, in sales. So it was the first day of job training mm-hmm. and we were all like learning how to, you know, freaking sell lawn aerations and operate this huge machine. Mm-hmm. And I, I know I have this habit of trying to pick out somebody in a room of people that like that, that are totally new to me and trying to find the most interesting person. Mm. Yeah. That's that, that, that's one of my, um, that's one of the things I like to do, like in a new group of people, is just try to, you know, survey the group and see, hmm, like, you know, who can I have the the, the best connection with, right? Interesting. So, um, yeah, so he took an interest in me, and you know, he was already pumping me up. He said, "Oh, Carlo, you're you're going to do great in this thing. I, I could just see it in you." I was like, "Oh, really?" Uh, so I worked my first day. It was like a, like a ten or twelve hour day, and. I made like $350 in cash. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Like, like 19 years old. So, um, and, and when, I mean, when I came home, my parents were like, is this legal? 
You sound like is this legal? <laughs> like, are you involved in drugs? Just tell us, please. Uh, so, um, yeah, and it was, I would say that that first job was the gateway drug to the megalomania. Because when you start making, like, in sales, you're told you determine how much you're worth, right? Like, you determine your worth mm. as if you're worth dictated by, you know, how much money you make. But it was really appealing to me that, hey, if I wanted to work harder and make more money, that's on me. I'm not going to be limited by, you know, an hourly wage. So mm-hmm. I, I ended up making like the same amount of money that a person working a conventional summer job for in four months, I made it in like a month. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. So I made like, I made like 14 grand in a month. Mm-hmm. Right. I was like a 19, as a 19 year old. And, mm-hmm. and so I got really hooked mm-hmm. on in sales and I started reading so like a lot of personal development books, books on sales, books on, on mindset and just really eating it up again, without being aware of what I actually really wanted. Mm-hmm. But I think that sometimes you don't actually get what you want. You actually just stumble on what you want by making a whole bunch of mistakes and going through a whole bunch of what you actually don't want. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't say that when I was 19 or 20 that I wanted the lifestyle that I have right now. So it, I was just <laughs> buying into the, the glamor, right. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's saying all that, all that glitters it's isn't gold, gold, right. Mm-hmm. So, um, wow. yeah. Timeline wise, that's really interesting. Cause you stumbled into that and you got this whole meg, mega, what was, what was the word? Mega megalomania, megalomania <laughs> when you were 19. And then you were telling your career yeah. story of how, you know, I think mid twenties by that point you were working almost 80 hours. So this kind of idea was in your mind for like half a decade. Is that like pretty much accurate for over five years uh, striving for? Yeah. Like, so, you know, so five to five, seven years, five, seven years. You were striving yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked that job twice, like two summers. Uh, I made even more money the next year. And then that second year was, I had a breakdown on the job. Mm-hmm. So I think I was reaching the end of my rope. And, and what happened was that um, it was a really cool uh, job. So, uh, or like the, the company was actually kind of like really interesting how it was run. So it was owned by a, you know, like this entrepreneur and he was also a like 10 time kickboxing champion. So he's very competitive. So what he did to open up a new location in a city, like say Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Calgary is open first and he planned to open Edmonton the next year. He had a nationwide competition in Edmonton. So there was a crew that that uh, that drove in from Burnaby. There's a crew that drove in from all the way from like Mississauga, Toronto. And then there was like Calgary. So it was like a three-way competition to open up a new location. Mm-hmm. And we had to put 30, well, you were chosen to be on this team. Like you didn't have to, uh, it was completely voluntary, but you put 35% of your weekly earnings into a pot and it gets split up. What? Yeah. To team. Yeah. So like, so what happened was the winning pot for this week-long competition was twelve hundred dollars mm. cash. Okay. So you know we we won the competition. I was like, oh my god! Like we won it a second time because I was also on the the A team. They called it the year before in the first year I worked. So you know I was top ten sales in the first year and top 10 sales in Calgary in the second year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is not, this is not doing well to pump up. Well, actually, no, it's pumping up my ego really 
nicely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but not doing not not doing well uh, for the you know personal wellness, right? So mm-hmm. after that competition, I was like, you know, you're, I'm off a high, right? Like from like winning this competition, winning the money. I was like, I'm going to keep working, and. I, we were working in like smaller towns in, in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and the money wasn't great. So I basically went from this to mm. this, right? Oh, and, shit. And, 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 and you and I both listened to Andrew Huberman. We yeah. talk about the, the dopamine spike yeah. and then the valley afterward, mm. right? So it was the second day on the road trip after the competition, and I just broke down on my on my machine. I was like, God, like I want to go home. Like I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, it was tough. It was tough, and I knew that at the end of that road trip, I was not going to work this job again because it, it, it really rewarded me, like money wise. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would say that was one of the times in my life where I worked the hardest. Like I was the grittiest, mm-hmm. but it came at a huge cost, mm-hmm. right? Which is one of the things I want to talk about is. We only think about our ambitions, but we don't think about the cost right. of those ambitions, right? Mm. So you see, it, you see it on Instagram, you, you know, the old hustle, uh, hustle culture, yeah. uh, grind it out. But what we're not, what we don't tell people is the cost of that ambition, pursuing it and, and working through it. So I was only looking at the glamour and the glitter of, of the money and the success mm-hmm. without realizing what it was doing to me mm-hmm. uh, personally. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I like to say at this point that I was aware, but remember I'm only 20 at this point, right? Yeah. There's still uh, five years uh, to go. Sure. So when, when I worked my first engineering job the year after that sales position, so that was my only engineering job, I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. No, no, I mean, hitting you every day, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and I was, and I was making uh, the same amount of money, but over four months oh. instead of one month, hmm. right? So and and so I was like, you know what? Like maybe maybe engineering isn't it, right? But I didn't actually give engineering a fair chance. So uh, it's not that I didn't want to do engineering. Again, it's quite serendipitous how I fell into you know in the piano, the music industry, because okay. that's the first job I took when I graduated, right? So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. One sec. I'm just gonna fix my light. Yep. Yeah. Sure. I don't know why it keeps like flashing. Okay. Okay. Hopefully that fixes it. Sorry about that. <laughs> I just kept like turning on and off. Right. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. All right. All right, let's let's get back back into this conversation. Um, so the stuff you mentioned about like you were you were so fueled on this this dopamine, getting all these highs, but you weren't taking care of your mental well being. That reminds me of something I I thought about recently as a big distinction is self improvement, which you mentioned you got into really early, like self help, self improvement, drive, mindset, hustle, right, all that mm-hmm. stuff versus self-healing and self-awareness, which, you know, one can Mm -hmm. say is a part of self-improvement, but self-improvement as an umbrella is so massive that you can get so caught up on like the one side of work hard, be your best self that you totally neglect like the inner world, right? So would you say that, um, I guess, have you finished like telling the stories of like how your career came to be and how does that wrap into flipping onto more like self-awareness and and self-healing? Yeah, 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 great question. So, I would say that we get it wrong 
as a society as a whole, where we pursue success without first being aware of what that means or what is actually true success. So I did it the other way around. Like I did all this self development, and yes, I achieved some, I achieved some level of of, of of monetary success, career success. Um, but I think that if I'd gone the other way around, uh, other way around, uh, with the advice that my brother told me since I was a kid, like know yourself, mm. like like w- be aware of yourself, and then pursue the success. Right. Uh, I think that sh- that that was like like that should have been the right order of things. And we're, and you know what? we're always doing it. It's not that you you know uh, that you're in the right career that everything else after that is going to be just mm-hmm. fine. Self awareness is a constant journey, and I think that mm-hmm. every day you're you're practicing self awareness mm-hmm. uh, because things change. The world changes around us. You're changing. So what worked for you last year might not work you for you today. What worked for you last week? might not even work for you today. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I guess it may be a good segue into the third phase of my career where um, after the whole shroom incident, uh, I, qu- I, I quit my job a few months later uh, and I went on a trip to Europe for like a month. That mm-hmm. was amazing. Nice. And then I, yeah, and then I sat down and I started working on my advanced certification from the Royal Conservatory. And I would say that was the proudest moment of my career achieving that certification because well here I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the story about it so i did not have a routine mm. until 2019 mm-hmm. <laughs> like i had gone through life just by the seat of my pants <laughs> um very whimsical right. and just like oh you know like that sounds fun let's do that <laughs> um yeah so right. i didn't have a routine you <laughs> yeah yeah, and and so my training for that ramped up to about three hours a day of practicing. Uh, I actually quit my job uh, full time at mm. this point. Right? So um, I quit full time in 2018. Went to part time two days a week, and then I I, I quit part time and just focused on this certification and teaching. So all I was doing uh, during this time was uh, teaching piano practicing piano and then maybe going on a few walks with friends. So this mm-hmm. is also the the pandemic, right? So um, I know that pandemic, the pandemic was quite challenging uh, and, and a very hard time for many people. For me though, it was actually one of the greatest periods of growth in my life. Mm-hmm. So I had the routine, I had an accountability partner where I would, mm-hmm. you would know, check in every week with each other and how our goals went. Um, I also met Maggie in 2020, mm-hmm. right? So there were all these positive influences in my life and I, I cut the chatter. I was not reading, you know, I, I actually cut down on, on all the self-improvement books mm. I read. I started reading fiction. Okay. Cause I was I, like, it was, it was quite different. Like yeah. I, 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 when I was 20 years old, if you asked me, Hey, do you read fiction? I was like, why would you waste your time? <laughs> like, right. I know I am ashamed to say that mm. um, because I just wanted the, like, just tell me the secret to be successful. Like, <laughs> tell me, tell me the shortcut so I can get there. You know, don't give me some like novel where I have to distill the lessons of the story because heaven forbid that takes so much energy. Mm. Um, so anyway, like, yeah, 2019, 2020, like things are looking very different from when I was in my early twenties. And what happened was that I, I didn't aim to get like, how do you say, I didn't aim for a certain mark on this, on this exam. Mm-hmm. I didn't aim, you know, to, yeah, I, I like, I, I didn't have an externally motivated goal. 
I had a very intrinsic goal of just doing the best that I could. Intrinsic. Because when I when I grew up, I was never a, a pianist who got like awards like oh top average or top mark in the province, top mark in the in the country. I actually never thought of myself as somebody who could achieve that. So I was always mm-hmm. someone who watched other people get awards. Mm-hmm. So when I trained for this, uh, I just wanted to be in service of the music and do it in and of itself, which I think is a really under underrated um, state of mind, mm-hmm. right? We, we want to do something because it gets something else. Well, what about doing something? Well, either because it's the right thing to do or it's just in and of itself, in the joy of, of doing it, right? Right. So when I did that, I did my exam. Uh, I also was getting a lot of guidance, coaching, mentorship from, from my teacher, um, who I can talk about a little bit later as a huge influence in my career. And I did the exam and I was like, you know, I feel really, really happy about that. You mm-hmm. know, it is what it is. Whatever mark I get, I don't even care because, you know, I've tr- been training for several months aligning my life, aligning my values to, you know, serve this goal that I had. And the mark doesn't even matter. And that's so weird because, you know, well, it was weird at the time because remember I had been a student who had failed IB. Mm. I didn't get into engineering. You know, I was not the brightest student. Mm. Um, And then, you know, I'm checking the mark every day, right? I I say that I don't care about the mark, but I'm still like, you know, like excited to, to find out what I get. And I wake up one morning, got honors with distinction. I was like, what the what? fuck? <laughs> yeah. What? So, um, yeah. So this is the hardest piano exam that you could do outside of university institution, the one of the hardest. And, you know, like I got in the nineties, I had never scored in the nineties mm. on a piano exam. So I was like, okay, wow, this is amazing. Like <laughs> um, I was like really soaking it in, but then it didn't stop there. Like two weeks later, I was working on my desk, like I know exactly where I was, so on my other desk in the living room. And I opened the email and it said, uh, congratulations, you have been selected uh, to perform at the awards ceremony hmm. for, for your um, for your, uh, for your performance, right? Hmm. I was like, hey, wait, wait, what's going on here? Like I'm playing, like I'm playing for national, like I'm, I'm playing on a national level. Mm-hmm. What's what's going on? They said you you you've won the gold medal. Yeah, sure. For, like this accreditation is like so that the gold the national gold medal. So for the the highest mark in the entire country for 2020. Damn. Like, what? Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no, I know. I'm laughing. I'm like, no, 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 no. This is like what? And I read it like five times. Yeah. And I I couldn't believe it that you know one of the very first times in my life. Uh, in terms of like an academic achievement where I wasn't trying to get a certain mark, get an award. Mm. And then here I am. I just, I would, I, I was a servant to the music and just tried to do better each day. And like, you know, here it came. Mm-hmm. So it, that was serendipitous. Mm-hmm. So I think that some of the best things in life are those which you don't expect it to happen and something great happens. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Isn't that so ironic? Like the one where you didn't care about the mark was the one that blew you out of your expectations or lack yeah. of expectations, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So where are you at yeah. right now? Yeah. Where am I right now? Well, uh, I just counted because I don't really, I, I didn't, I had a vague idea of how many students I have. So I have 45 students now. Mm, what? 45? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, cool. 40. 
yeah, 40 of which I, um, I teach on a weekly basis. Mm -hmm. And then I teach, uh, you know, another few, you know, every other week. So yeah, I, I work, um, I work full time as an educator. I'm self-employed. Mm. I work two days a week at the piano store and I like my, the way that my life is right now, it, it's beyond any kind of imagination that I had. Uh, so if you asked me when I was 15, 18, 20, <laughs> even 25, if I'd be in this position, like I would say, nah, no, I don't think so. You know? Right. So it wouldn't yeah. even cross your mind, like engineer to p self-employed piano teacher. Like that sounds like two completely unrelated fields, but here you are defying the yeah. odds, <laughs> defying the expectations of who yeah. you were as a kid. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so would you say that you are happy now? I would say that beyond happy, like. How do you define <laughs> happiness? Yeah. You know, um, I would say that a, like a better, all more encompassing term is I, f I feel like I have a meaningful life mm. and I have a more peaceful life. So meaningful and peaceful. Um, I, th I don't know if we talked about this, you and I, but I've been talking about it with, with a lot of my friends where, Peace is actually a hugely underrated state of mind. I totally right? agree. Yeah. In a world of yeah. constant dopamine chasing and adrenaline, yeah. peace is an underrated state of mind. I agree. Yeah. And I was I was this guy who, uh, who wanted to be stoked, ecstatic, euphoric, um, you know, awesome i wanted to feel all those things but we can't feel that way all the time right yeah. that those are like i'm not saying you know don't go skydiving or you know that that when you have a kid that's like the most one of the most important things in your life but the thing is most of our life is the mundane it's the everyday mm -hmm. right people only get married once or a few times you know in their lifetime hopefully to the right person yeah they only have a few children uh, they are promoted they like once or twice. Yeah, every yeah exactly. So, you know, are you going to live your life chasing these milestones? Uh, or are you going to live your life, you know, trying to be a, just present in the everyday in whatever you do? And maybe you're not in the place where you want to be. But I, I you know, I think that there, there is a lot for which we can be grateful. And, and yeah, on, 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 on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. I, I do count myself extremely lucky, privileged. Um, and I'd say that as I got older, I attributed my own success less to myself, mm -hmm. even though I consider myself way more successful than I ever was. But I like this is not to my own credit. Like there's so many people along the way, all the mentors, my family, my friends, uh, personal relationships. So yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I don't really like taking credit, uh, you know, for, for myself. But when I was young, I was like, yeah, I'm the shit. Like, <laughs> you know, you think you think you're all that in a bag of chips. Mm -hmm. Think you're all that crazy? in a bag of chips. Have you have you heard that phrase? No, I haven't. What does that even <laughs> yeah. mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, a bag of chips is great. Like, who doesn't like a bag of chips, right? right. So you're all that. Like you're you're the shit mm -hmm. and you're a bag of chips at the same time. You're it's all it's that. apparently my thing. It's like yeah. is is it like if I'm interpreting it right, it's like you're all that and you're something that everyone has to like. Is that sure? It, yeah. It? I could say that. Right. Yeah. Interesting. And kind of going back, like you said something earlier that I want to go back to, is you said self help 
right? Self-healing versus self-help and the order in which you took it in which, oh, if I just mm-hmm. learn be myself, you know, embody like peace and know the why behind why I'm doing before yeah. learning all this, maybe it would have been the right order. But I, I think like, I think that going through that is part of the journey to finding that peace though. Like it's Mm -hmm. really rare for me to hear a story of someone who literally just stumbles into the perfect life of, oh, I became self-aware at like five years old and my life just got out perfectly. And I would also argue, is there even such a thing as like a perfect path? Like, I guess my question for you is, if in hindsight, would you go back to when you were 10 years old, know everything you know now and restart? Would you do that or would you choose the path that you've already taken? Uh, well, you're not going to like the answer. I don't like entertaining those questions because <laughs> I, I, I try to see myself as like a realistic person. So mm. to be counterfactual like that, my at a very young age, um, like probably when I was 10 or 12, um, I would say like, oh, well, you know, I was t- to my older brother. Well, if only like this didn't happen, like if, if only that didn't happen, if only I, I knew that. It's like, well, dude, like what's the point? Like, we're not in that reality anymore. I know, but like, like, I I still want to think irrationally and, you know, wish things were different. So um, I, I am the kind of person I don't have any regrets. Mm -hmm. Right. I really don't. Um, Mm -hmm. Because the way my life turned out, it required everything to happen the way it did. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not a believer in like things happen for a reason in the way that you don't just go back and and well, you don't say that, oh, well, I, I know that like, if I do this, I do this, I do this, that, you know, it'll, it'll happen. But yeah. I do believe that you make meaning and you make sense of your life in hindsight. Absolutely. But I still, but I still don't like the saying, you know, like everything happens for a reason because, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, well, we, we won't get into that philosophical uh, <laughs> avenue. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. It makes it makes me kind of reflect on like my journey. Um, I don't know if I've told you about this, but I've had a period in my life where I was also just all about hustle and entrepreneurship and fuck the nine to five. And I just want to oh, be yeah? my own yeah. boss. Nobody understands me, man. That was that was that was wild. I don't know how many of my friends in circle saw that phase, but she was she was like I think she was nice, but she was delusional. I would say. Yeah. Like, well, when was that? megalomania. She was engulfed by megalomania to a point where she had to be extremely humbled (laughs) when I thought, Mm. oh, I could just make money from the stock market. And I lost like, like five figures. And then I was like, fuck, never mind. Never mind. Uh Sit down and get back to reality kind of thing. That kind of goes back to like making meaning out of things in hindsight. Like in that, in those moments, I was such a believer that I could just be like a multiple seven figure entrepreneur by the time I'm like late twenties and just live life traveling the world and having all these extravagant things. But at the same time, let's go back to the thought of like peace and happiness, like having all that, am I really going to be peaceful and happy if I haven't worked through the shit in myself? Like, am I going to be looking to buy another Ferrari? How much traveling do I have to do to, you know, be happy? Because at the end of the day, that's still chasing a destination, right? But in hindsight, it's like now, yes, I obviously I'm not like a multimillionaire or anything, but I never expected I would be this peaceful and happy in this Uh state of my life. And obviously Uh like it's still an ongoing journey, but I've learned to, you know, find joy within and be present, as you said. Mm-hmm. Being present, I think, is something that young people nowadays, I say that as if I'm super old, which I don't think I am, yeah. like just neglect because we're so focused on the chasing aspect. Yeah. 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 
Mm-hmm. And, and what was that period of life for you where, you know, you were the self-help junkie? Uh, that was 2020, actually. 2020. <laughs> so okay. fresh. That was like just two years ago when I was all about, you yeah. know, entrepreneurship. I'm never going to work a job ever again. And yeah, mm-hmm. I just right. completely flipped. And yeah, but now I just love my life so much. I'm in a job I truly enjoy and I defied a lot of my old beliefs. And yeah. it's so interesting. Like, I think we have limiting beliefs that, we have so many limiting beliefs that we don't think our beliefs like at that time I just had a couple of experiences where I just had bad experiences working for someone mm-hmm. else and I just assumed there's no such thing as a job mm-hmm. where I will ever have freedom and be happy so right. therefore the answer is I have to be an entrepreneur or else I will never mm-hmm. feel freedom and happiness so that was such a yeah. limiting belief but coming through this journey now and now working a job where I truly feel so happy. I love my colleagues. I love my work. I don't ever feel Mm. like I can't breathe. Right. This is like something that I never thought was possible back then. So it's like the more you grow and experience things through life, you defy so many old beliefs. And I fully believe that I'm still in a stage where I'm stripping away beliefs right now, but I'm a lot Mm. more open-minded now. Like I'm not going to say things like never or always or Mm. stuff like that anymore. Cause I think those are very limiting phrases. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh man, I, I like what you said about uh, what are those statements called there? Um, when you say always, Absolutes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I, I can't remember the term, but when you say like the most or like the always or never, uh, yeah, no, superlative, very, very dangerous words. Uh, superlative words. <laughs> yeah. yeah, superlative words. So, I guess I guess one of the things I think about a lot right now is, can you see things? from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where might I be wrong? Uh, what other perspectives have I missed? Um, how can I make this simpler? So when when I think about, when I reflect in my own time now, it's not, it, like it used to be, oh, how can I be more successful? How can I make more money? Uh, it's it's more like, have I, have I considered any other perspective other than the one I've I've been like married to, or you know, just, like I, I, I believed for such a long time. So um, that's why I finally got what my brother meant by saying aphorisms are stupid. What's stupid? So, aphorisms. 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 Mm. So, so one aphorism is like I wrote down here is like anything is possible. You hear that all the time. It's mm. like okay, now people what. The failure of aphorisms is not necessarily aphorism itself. It's the person who interprets it, right? Or they fail mm. to interpret it. So when people just like spew, when people spew phrases and, and you get an idea that they don't actually know what they're talking about or they don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, here, when, 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 when a young person or a youth says, rules are meant to be broken. It's like, that doesn't mean you should be a delinquent, you dumbass. Of course. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm just going to break the rules. No, you, what that means is that you, you, you follow the rules so that you learn some foundation in that field. And then you break them because you, you, you break out of the mold and you, you take what you learn and then you make it into your own way. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you don't break the rules as a starting artist. Like, you know, you, you know, I think it was, I don't know if it was Picasso who said that, but, um, you know, like you should know the rules before you break them. Know the rules before you break them. That's an example, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So anything is possible. What I, what I'd say is anything is possible at a cost. Yeah. We don't say that, right? Yeah. We just say, oh, anything is possible. Yeah. You have to know the cost, right? Uh, Here's another one. Actions speak louder than words. Mm. 
we've all heard that. It's like, yeah, okay, but what about intentions? Mm. Oh, intentions, right? the deeper layer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't call myself a Buddhist, but one of the tenets is right thoughts, right words, right, right. action. Right. Mm-hmm. So you know, you could you could see somebody helping someone on the street. And we jump to a conclusion. Oh, that's that person's so altruistic. Mm-hmm. What if that person's doing it for clout? Like they're posting yeah. on social media, right? <laughs> so you know, like we shouldn't just believe people's words. We shouldn't just believe people's actions, right? It's important to know intentions as well. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's something I learned uh, with the meditation retreat, which might be like a good segue into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hell yeah! If you want, if you want to talk about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we go into that, I think the whole thing that I learned throughout this these wild states also my light is being so fucked up should i just yeah do you want yeah do you do you want to fix that before we move on i don't know if i can fix it i think it's just being stupid okay whatever i think this this lighting is like fine with me um yeah you look good yeah but i think a big part of like my my journey to i guess maturing for lack of better word is stop taking things at face value and think for myself Honestly, yeah, because you hear so many stuff. Like when I was going through the entrepreneurship stuff, it was like work a nine, like work for yourself, or you will never be rich. You know, you will never be free. Isolate yourself from people, or you will always be held down. You know, all these um, I forgot what it was called, but those sayings that a lot of people take at face value, and I think it's dangerous to take at face value, and you never like critically think about it. And there's Uh. nothing that's ever truly, I think black and white there's always like gray areas there's always in between even like you said actions beat louder than words what about communication i can't just like always do stuff and never express things right different Mm -hmm. love languages there's different needs Mm -hmm. there's just like so many things in between so that was like a big part of me growing up is to stop taking such radical sides to any standard things absolutely absolutely Mm -hmm. uh yeah i kind of said it by myself when and things that you even believe to be true they're not always true mm-hmm. right they're, and i think that's you know if i were to define what wisdom is it's it's knowing what is wisdom okay well okay backtrack a bit you, the, another aphorism that i that i hate at face value is knowledge is power mm. like, really knowing more facts reading more books is uh you know that's power in your life no what I say is wisdom is power, mm-hmm. right? So knowledge is mostly just facts uh, and knowing, but wisdom is actually experiencing. So right. um, when, you, when you think of wisdom, uh, I, there's no exact term for it, but I think of it as prudence, knowing what's appropriate, mm-hmm. being measured, right. knowing nuance, mm-hmm. um, nuance, seeing things from different perspectives, right? So, totally, totally. Because yeah. knowledge can just mean book smart. But what about the intelligence? What about the critical thinking, right? What about the EQ? What about application? Yeah, there's yeah. so much. And we can we can go on, on and on about this. But that was that was a huge realization. So, you mm-hmm. know, like going back to our listeners, like even for stuff we say on our podcast, I think sometimes I might say those things like, what is it? Aneurysms? Aneurysms? Aphorisms. Aphorisms. Okay, I'm going to get that word one day. Aphorisms. <laughs> but to whoever's like listening to my podcast, I appreciate you so much. Everything that we say on this podcast, I always like encourage everyone to take everything critically, think about what it means for you and don't take things at face value. For example, I might mm. do something like, I love working a job in tech. And people might be like, you know, if you can't think for yourself, be like, oh my gosh, like Meg loves tech. She's having a great life. Therefore, I can only have a great life if I work yes. in tech. Right? That's a dangerous interpretation. So 
yeah, yeah. just wanted to say that yeah okay okay wow okay i love that mm. ah it's so good so um I, what i would add to that is when you learn something from someone or you feel inspired mm-hmm. think about like okay let, let's, let's let's simplify let's say you you hear something that you really like think about how it applies to your own life don't just think oh that sounds good you know, i'm gonna adopt it so mm. you know think about an experience where that was true think about an experience where you didn't apply that maybe imagine experience uh, something that's like to just just imagine something that's not actually like imagine a scenario where that wouldn't apply, right? So mm-hmm. you're, you're developing your, your critical thinking skills and you are thinking for yourself instead of just, um, you know, taking something again at face value. So. Absolutely. And don't be afraid to play devil's advocate with yourself, you know? Yes. There's this whole thing with confirmation bias, you, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> This is like a, another tangent, which I'm totally okay yeah. with tangents if you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, more recently, I actually flipped this one belief in myself that was uncomfortable to do. <laughs> and I'll mm. talk about this in a solo episode for, for you listeners as well, because this is sure. kind of big for me. Well, not okay. But anyways, I'll stop rambling. It's about alcohol, right? So I'm a mm. pretty social person. And, yeah. you know, you also talk about back when then when you would party a lot. And I enjoy partying. I enjoy drinking alcohol. I love getting getting super drunk. <laughs> This was yeah. like my reality ever since I started drinking. And per se, I like I didn't start drinking at a super early age. I actually started in first year university. But since then, I really haven't stopped. You know, a lot of nights out, I wouldn't really be watching how many shots I was drinking. I would have great nights and the next day I would feel terrible. And I just mm-hmm. felt, you know, this is my reality. This is what having fun is. Obviously, that's not the only way I have fun, but it was a big part of having fun. Yeah. Right? Even more recently this year, had a great summer. Some of those nights consisted of lots of drinking. Those are some of my favorite nights, I will admit. They yeah. were really, really fun. And most recently, and we talked about Andrew Huberman, who is um, who mm-hmm. is a neurobiologist, neuroscientist, who has a podcast all about, he knows everything about, you know, science, how things affect your brain, your body, you know, mm-hmm. the reality of things. And he recently released an episode called how does alcohol affect your brain and body? And I looked at that and my confirmation bias was like, Meg, we are not listening to that because if you listen to that, you are not going to drink alcohol anymore. You know, like I was like forcing myself to shut that episode out because I didn't want to know what alcohol was going to do to my body. Instead, you know, with confirmation bias, me enjoying alcohol, I would actively love information such as how is alcohol good for my body? You know, how does red yeah. wine improve, you know, blah, 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 stuff like that. That's the type of stuff right. that I would be seeking. But then uh, I was like, you know what, Meg, like this is confirmation bias. I recognized it. And if you really want to be smart about like your life, you got to be open to things that you might not be comfortable hearing. And maybe that'll actually help you improve as a person. So mm. most recently, a few days ago, I actually had an experience where, yeah, I had a great night out, but I woke up feeling terrible. I think I was trying to sleep for like four hours. I couldn't sleep, woke up, made yeah. myself like puke. Sorry. It's like gross. Yeah. I forced myself to puke, went back to bed, still didn't fall asleep, woke up the next day, had something at nine. And I just felt like disgusting. And I, I looked yeah. back and I thought, Meg, I think like you got to listen to that episode, like learn what's really going on in your body and stop being so yeah. delusional about it. So I listened to the whole episode, absorbed every bit of it without mm-hmm. like try to resist the resistance of not yeah. absorbing this information because it was one of those things where I knew like, once I listen to it, I can't go back. Once I know yeah. that this is how it's affecting my body, yeah. I can't undo that knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. And I was faced with this thought of like, okay, once I listen to this, 
when I drink alcohol in the future, I'm literally going to know what it's doing to my body. And I know that's going to affect all my nights out in the future. Am I going to do it? I still didn't. I still listened to everything, Mm. learned everything. And um, the switch is I... I'm going to try abstaining for like a while, like from heavy drinking, maybe social drinking once in a while, maybe one or two drinks, but I'm going to like really strictly control myself now. Anyways, that was a whole tangent with the whole thing. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Great question your beliefs. Um, Mm. I think I'm the same with sugar. I, Mm. and we can talk about this on the other podcast with regards to health, but um, yeah, I, (laughs) I struggle with sugar. I love sugar. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah so anyway yeah oh my gosh crazy challenge your beliefs that's how you how you grow because when you're stuck in your old beliefs you're always going to stay the same person so yes anyways i want to hear more about that meditation retreat as well before we move on from this career thing did you get to talk about all your most important learnings throughout these three phases in your career was there anything that um share yet i i, I would I think just as a recap, um, I, I alluded to it a, a bit. So my piano teacher, uh, he's a very well sought out and and respected piano teacher, adjudicator, and coach. And you know, if if you're in a if you're thinking about a career, and you know, it's, do your research and actually reach out to somebody who's in that career mm. to give you an idea of what it's like. Right now that it will never replace the actual experience of trying it out. But um, I would say that one of the, the pitfalls that new high school graduates make is that, or even new grads is that they graduate from their field, they graduate from high school, and then they automatically jump into something without being aware of that word again, Mm. of of that actually being what they want. So um, I, I, give a lot of credit to my my teacher we would go to the bar i would just pick his brain i would bring a notebook you know Mm -hmm. uh and just like ask him questions about teaching ask him questions how to deal with difficult students difficult parents and so i would say that if there was something that was a constant in my career in my personal life too is that there's always been a mentor right Mm -hmm. i have a sales mentor right now and she was you know she's a very prominent lady uh, she was like the first lady of, of she, her nickname was the first lady of of music in Calgary. Mm. Like she's a household name and, and, you know, she was one of the best. She had one of the best businesses until she retired mm-hmm. and uh, I'm learning a lot from her. So I'm, I'm, I'm always putting myself in a position where other people know more than I do mm. because like, what do I know? Right. If yeah. I was, if I was successful, then I already be where they are. And, um, but I'm not so like let's humble myself, listen to other people, be willing to learn. Mm. So yeah, I guess that's my last piece of advice to to recap or to conclude just my career that there's been so many instrumental people and and the mentors that have guided me and instilled uh you know, instilled belief in me, encouraged mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So yeah, no, I, I thank them. That's amazing. That's really awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. Now, meditation retreat. I'd love to hear about this. Okay. All right. Here, here's another like 10 minute monologue for you guys. Go for uh, it. I love Carlos monologue. <laughs> okay. I, okay. Because I talk a lot, I have this self-consciousness that, oh my God, I'm just like talking. I keep no, on no, talking. No. This and, is a podcast. Yeah, so, You're meant to be talking, yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. All right. So 
the, the retreat I did was a Vipassana meditation retreat. So it's 10 days. Uh, it's a silent retreat, meaning you're not talking to any of your co-meditators. We were talking about talking and now you're like silent yeah. retreat. We're talking. <laughs> anyway. Um, you're, you're only allowed to talk to the instructors twice a day and to the, the, the staff uh, if you have a problem with the food or anything like that. So you give up your devices, uh, journals, music, um, any novels, books. Um, you abstain from any sexual activity. No drinking. Uh, no strenuous exercise, right? So mm. <laughs> you're actually living the life of a monk for 10 days. Right. We were told that like midway. It's like, oh, okay, this is what I signed up for. Okay. So um, first the background of how I, how I was told about this retreat. So one of my close friends had done this retreat for a second time this year. And he had mentioned, and, you know, he, we sat down for coffee one day. This was in April of this year. And he said, you know, wow like it was amazing i feel so renewed and i i feel like i have i have like more peace and stillness than i did you know five years ago when i first did it and he said i can think of no other person in my life like friends or family that would benefit from yeah. this more than you and and again it's not that he was saying that oh my life was like in shambles but he was like i i had I had expressed an interest when he was talking about it. I was like, Oh, tell me more about this thing. Like I could really, I would really love to like quiet my, my mind. Right. Like despite all the personal development, guess what? I'm still like a work in progress. And <laughs> I, I guess I'm trying to be aware of the, the trends that lead me down to paths that I've been before, which have been like a nightmare. Right. So, you know, and I, and not that I see my life going in that direction right now, but I have a tendency to be really obsessive. Like I love my career mm -hmm. um, and and I would like teach a hundred students if I can, but that's not feasible. So anyway, uh, he told me about the retreat and he, he, this is what really touched me. He said, and I would, and I would like to serve you during the retreat. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? Like, yeah, like I would, you know, like the whole thing is volunteer run. Like there are no paid staff, the teachers, the, the people who cook the food, um, manage the place. It's all volunteer run by previous alumni. So when he said that he wanted to, you know, give of 10 days of his life to serve me when he had just done this, like in April, I was so touched. I was like, dude, like I'm doing this. Right. And mm -hmm. I had already gotten time off from my, my boss for three weeks, uh, in, in Europe. And I need to go back and ask him for another two weeks off. And, and I was really nervous about doing that because yeah, I didn't want to, I don't want to take advantage of them. They're really good people, mm -hmm. but I felt like this was something that could really benefit me. So fortunately they gave me the time off. And, you know, when I came back from Europe, I had five days in Calgary and then uh, the meditation retreat. So <laughs> like being without your phone for 10 days, like with, with reading, without listening to music, these are some of these things are either things we haven't done since phones were invented or when we were born, like mm -hmm. before we even existed. Yeah. Um, statement probably doesn't make sense when you listen to it again. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, it was like quite a shock to my system. And for the first two days of meditation, um, so like just background, you're meditating anywhere between like five to nine hours a day, mm -hmm. right? In one hour, one and a half hour segments. So the first two days I was preoccupying myself with just thoughts, right? Uh, I realized that I was addicted 
to thought, <laughs> right? Uh, I think a lot of us are without even thinking about it, right? Right. So things I thought about, uh, the I thought about the Europe trip that Maggie and I went on to the T. Like I went over the itinerary. Like this day, we went here, we ate this thing, we saw this. Like I was like, God, how can I just pass the time? Because I hate this. Like <laughs> you know, like we're right. like the first the first four days we're just learning breathing meditation. Yeah. Like we're not given anything beyond that. I'm like, okay, I'm a master at this already. Like, why do I need to, you know, I, I can just preoccupy myself again, not humbling myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so um, it was on the fourth day where I had like a really breakthrough moment. And what happened on the fourth day was that we were instructed not to change our posture or challenge not to change our posture. So for the first three days, I mean, if you want to shift around, uh, get up, stretch your legs, like you can do that. But fourth day, shit gets real. So the, the well, first of all, what, what Vipassana meditation is. So Vipassana, the, the, the approximate translation of the word is to see things as they are mm-hmm. or to see things from many perspectives, something like that. So it's, it's a non-sectarian um, uh, meditation technique. It has its roots in Buddhism, but it's compatible with any religion. Um, it, you know, it doesn't conflict with any of your uh, uh, religious values. So uh, we were learning this technique and just full disclaimer, when I'm talking about this, I don't want you to think that that's all that it's about because I truly believe that if you want to, to get the full experience or to learn the technique in its entirety, you have to go through the 10 days. So just full disclaimer right there. Um, we were in, so he's like teaching us the technique and we're just scanning our body for sensations, right? So, uh, it's an eyes closed, no mantra, no visualization meditation. It's purely just, you close your eyes mm-hmm. and you scan your body. So let's say I'm like scanning my head and you know, I feel like a tingling sensation. Okay. Just notice it. You keep going. And let's say you feel like a tickle in your arm. Okay, your goal is not to fight. Don't, Don't fight. fight it. Don't oh, fuck. Ah! <laughs> like, your goal is not to do that, even though that's what I did. Your goal is to remain present with the current body part that you're scanning. So, um, and and what you learn after a while is that after a few minutes, it goes away. Oh. Wow. Wow. You know, so nothing you don't have to forever. scratch all your itches is what you're saying? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. You don't have to. Yes. Metaphorically speaking, too. I like that. Mm. Um, so, you know, let's say now you're scanning your arm and you have a cramp in your leg. Okay. Can you just be present with the cramp and keep going, right? And embrace yeah, the I, cramp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, embrace the cramps. Um, yes. Okay. So, <laughs> um, sorry. I just thought of like, women in the time of the month anyway so, ah! uh, i will not say that to mags uh so uh <laughs> i had to embrace the cramps okay. yesterday embrace Come the cramps. there you go um, okay so um where was i uh be present with your body right. okay yeah. i'm saying this like very i'm recounting it very calmly but during that first sitting where we were challenged not to change your posture i was getting pissed off at the instructor <laughs> like i was like okay uh and and by the way it's the teacher who started this he passed away several years ago and it's a recording on a tv okay so like we're getting the instruction on the tv and the pa system so it's like scan your body for any sensations see if there's a heat or cold or tingling and, I, and he did that for every body part i was like shut up already like in my mind i was like 
I know you're telling me to scan like my body for sensations. And I was fighting him. Like I was totally not being present. Mm -hmm. And then for one reason or another, it dawned on me, whoa, Carlo, if you're so calm, you wouldn't be here and you'd be teaching the class. Mm -hmm. So why don't you shut up and listen and just like, shut the fuck up. Right. And, 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 And yeah. And when I did that, I was like, Oh, okay. And I just stayed with, I stayed with the, um, the, the instruction and like an hour and a half passed. I didn't know it was an hour and a half. It seemed like forever. But when I actually got through the whole thing, I was, I thought, wow, like it's amazing what you do when you just like let things be. Yeah. What is this feeling? Right. And, and this is like a, you know, I, I can't fully explain in words what I was feeling at the time, but um, he was he was giving a concluding talk to the meditation. He said, "The nature of life is impermanence. Mm. It lasts forever, even good things, bad things." And in that moment, all the 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 deepest hurts I've experienced in my life, which are related to like intimate relationships, which we can talk about in the other podcast, mm-hmm. they flashed through my mind. Oh shit. And how much time I had wasted and squandered being attached or holding on to the good things of every relationship. Cause I thought, Oh, that's like the, you know, if I just keep the best parts, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But I had, I, I, I had realized how attached I've been to various aspects of previous relationships. And I, I was like I burst into tears. I'm just trying to stifle my crying and I don't want to disrupt other people, but I just want to feel it, man. Mm. So like, I'm just like, <laughs> and then the, the meditation ends and we're, you know, we're, we're dismissed and I go outside. It's a beautiful sunny day. And I just say, Oh my God, even the beautiful day won't like blast forever. And I just like, I'm on my knee, I'm crying. And I'm like, Oh God, life is so beautiful. Even though like things don't last forever. And I I was just like, I don't know. It's like a scene from a movie I felt. And I I went into the fields again. It was a beautiful day. I lied down on the grass, got my composure and I just soaked it all in. I was like, wow. You know, we I've intellectualized the idea that, Oh, you know, nothing in life lasts forever. Uh, the, the state of nature is it's in flux, whatever the way you want to call it. But in that moment, I really experienced it. I knew it. Like that's, that, I think that's the difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is you read in a book. Mm. Oh, nothing lasts forever. Be okay with change. Yeah. Okay. And then actual wisdom is like feeling it in your entire body. Mm. So, that was a breakthrough day for me. And like it, one of the most emotionally, again, riveting experiences of my life that interestingly is related to the shroom experience, right? Where it's like I had access to all these memories. They came to me. I was revealed to myself. So yeah. um, not that I'm a, against psychedelics, but I, I know that I can develop this awareness through meditation practice in the same way that I got this awareness doing shrooms. So mm-hmm. you have a question? Um I'm just absorbing, man. Go on if you had more. Yeah. yeah. So from day five onward, um, we're challenged to do three one-hour sittings a day without changing our posture. And you know, we're like, I didn't know this, but I, I, I didn't think I could do it. But each day, I tried to push my boundaries. 
and I have to admit, it was ego driven to a certain extent. Oh yeah, I want to sit four hours. I want to sit five hours. I want to sit six hours. And then on the eighth day, I actually sat six hours, like six one hour segments without changing my posture at all. And I was like, oh my God, I actually did it. And then here's where I was challenged. I had to challenge my beliefs. I wanted to get seven the next day, mm. right? Because I have to do it myself. You know, I have to let my ambition, you know, take control, take the driver's mm. seat. Um, but, and then the the ninth day, I was I was very tired. Um, and I was, I realized I was being attached to this outcome and it was actually taking away from the present moment. So mm. like midday, I was like, you know what, Carlo, if you get, if you only do another six hours of meditation today, that's okay. Mm. Guess what? Like life will go on. You don't need to do that. And, you know, like it's such a small thing, right? And it seems ridiculous face value. Oh, wow. You're going to feel bad about yourself because you didn't know do your meditation the previous day. Like when you actually think about it, it is kind of ridiculous, right? So um, the the ninth day was amazing. And then the the 10th day, you know, we could break the silence Mm. and, uh, to like chat with each other so you know we we just had so many things that we wanted to share and we resonated with each other so it it was an amazing experience and out of all the books i've read the seminars the conferences the the um raw raw weekends the motivational talks the podcast out of all the things I've, i've taken in this was the most profoundly changing thing in my life like most most yeah most profound experience in my life wow. and I, I told the meditation one of the teachers there that you know bob there's so many things in my life that i wanted but this is one of those things i didn't know i needed until now damn so shit what yeah. do you what do you think man i have so hundreds man i wish i had this experience for myself <laughs> <clears throat> i don't even know what to ask I'm just absorbing. Um, so what has changed about like pre-retreat Carlo versus post-retreat Carlo? Like has anything changed right. about like the way you approach yep. like your day-to-day? Yeah. It's changed. Great question. So that thing I said about peace being the most undervalued and overlooked states, that's – if I had to sum it up in a nutshell, that would be it. So mm-hmm. – I realized like you've been looking past this state of peace and and presence for, for a long time. And, you know, there's when, like when you, when you go to bed at night, you can't, you can't hold your money in your, I mean, you could hold your money in your torso. It's just kind of weird and like fucking vain man but um you know like you you can't take your status you can't look at your like certificate while you're yeah. sleeping. No, so great like what can you take with you to bed you can take the peacefulness that you've like done the best that you could try to act the best way possible and mm-hmm. and at the same time if you didn't that you have the grace with yourself mm-hmm. to realize that you know you could try again tomorrow mm-hmm. right even though tomorrow's not guaranteed, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm I'm just so much more peaceful in my day to day. I'm less irritable. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm more patient. And during the retreat, it was I was revealed to myself that I was not as patient, not as gracious, not as um, not as kind, not as 
you know, honest, not as authentic as I thought it was. I was like, mm. wow, I have a lot of work to do. Yeah. And, and I think one of the other things that I've taken away is actually less is more. Mm. Right? I, was, I was, for a very long time, I was of the person who was, who always believed that, well, if I can achieve more, I'm going to do it because I have the ability, right? But just because you have the ability does not necessarily mean you should do it, right? Just because you can take 10 shots, maybe you shouldn't do it, right? <laughs> just because you can make, you know, 500, you know, grand in in a, you know, investment banking opportunity, should you should you take it, right? So um, I realized more and more that what I have now, I have a lot of what I need if I, if I look at what my life is now and, mm-hmm. And how I like, how do I look at my career now? I would only want to, you know, grow my business, take on more students. If I have the peace of mind underneath it all. Mm. Right. I'm not talking about being comfortable. Right. I am, you know, I'm against complacency and and being comfortable, but uh, being peaceful. Right. Like, what does that mean? It's, Mm. it's, it's a bunch of things. It's not, it's not one definition, but you know, peace is a comprehensive feeling that you get from all these parts of your life being cont- being content with them mm. and accepting. I think that's my my, my best definition of peace I, I can give. Um, so yes, yeah, a, a lot has changed. Wow, and, and I, I continue to practice uh, every day. Um, like for example, when when you said you need another ten minutes, I was like, oh okay, I didn't get to meditate this morning, so like, I'll just meditate while I wait for you. Wow! So I love yeah. that being present. You know, I actually had a meditation experience recently that um resonates with what you shared, and yeah. again with distilling my old beliefs. I grew up. I I don't even know if I have ADHD borderline. My mind is like a billion places at once, like a billion. Oh. Like it's, it's yeah. to the point where if I'm not listening to a podcast, watching a YouTube video, doing something that my mind will just not shut up. And I like, sometimes I just yeah. not stand being still with mm-hmm. my thoughts because it's uncomfortable, yeah. right? So mm-hmm. I always had this narrative of myself where I was like, I could never meditate. It's suffering. I can't do it. I would try to sit still and all these thoughts would run through and it would just be torture. I'd be like, I'd be doing so much better things with my time right mm-hmm. now um but more yeah. recently i tried to instill mindfulness not just for the benefits of meditation it helps you improve concentration focus mindfulness self-awareness being present there's a billion benefits of it but also just um just to challenge myself a little bit right like kind of like yeah. what you said about oh let me see if i can sit still for another hour i tried to see can yeah. i sit still for five minutes just alone with my thoughts and I had this experience recently um sitting on a bench waiting waiting for a friend um, funny, I was also yeah. kind of waiting for a friend. I was like, might as well just be still and not watch TikToks for once. And yeah. sit still, close my eyes and just listen to the sounds. And it was this crazy experience, almost as if like I was on psychedelics, but I wasn't. But this <laughs> yeah. sudden feeling of presence, like I was just noticing all the noises around me just pass by. And that's all they were doing. They were passing by footsteps, voices, traffic, the water. But I was just here still present. And I was like, wow. And this is mm-hmm. only like two minutes of my life. What about the other like mm-hmm. hundreds of minutes of my day where I'm so focused on thinking about anxious about the future, planning for something, thinking about the past, where's this presence? And it just mm-hmm. felt so like surreal. 
And that, that was like right. a wake up call for me. And now I huh. try to practice meditation every day. Actually, I do meditation every morning and before really? I go to sleep. Mm -hmm. it's, yes. hard. it's so hard, but yes. I'm trying. <laughs> hey, I'm so happy to hear that. Good Thank for you. you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I am loath to give people unsolicited advice. Um, and I would say, you know, past, like beyond all the aphorisms or, you know, the like know thyself that I, that I talked about earlier, if there's one thing I think everyone could actually use is med some meditation in their life. And, and, you know, to start with a reasonable goal, or we all know what smart goals, mm -hmm. right? If you can't sit still for 30 seconds, what about a minute? Right. Yeah. Make it really easy for you to achieve. Right. Have you read Atomic Habits? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Make it really easy for you. Right. Don't 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 look at my experience or the people who have done Vipassana retreats. Oh, an hour. I can never do that. I'm a failure. It's like, no, Two days. Just, what? just a minute. Yeah. Right. Um, I, like one of the coolest stories from Atomic Habits was when, you know, this lady wanted to lose a whole bunch of weight and, and get get healthier. And she just like she was instructed to just walk out the apartment. OK. Now walk like a block. Now walk two blocks, walk three blocks, right? So mm -hmm. start small. Right. And and the way I see meditation, let's see if this, you can think about uh, on this analogy. So mm -hmm. you know how in music there's there's silence or there's breaks in the lyrics. There's maybe a break yes. in the sound. It's powerful. That's the space between, yeah, you can't always have sound. You can't always, you know, have singing. Um, in, in a painting, that's like the space between things, the white space. Mm -hmm. Um you know, in, in a speech, it's the pauses in the speech. So we need this, this break from being stimulated and engaging with the outer world and, and just being still within. Um, an analogy that really resonated with me um, now is, you know, like you're familiar with Formula One racing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Formula One engines are the most, some of the most powerful engines in the world. And, and, you know, they're used for this really extreme sport, but guess what? They actually have a, a shorter lifespan than the engines and, you know, your everyday cars oh. and they need to be serviced. Yeah. So um, even an F1 engine operating at a high capacity. So think of that as like an entrepreneur who's like going all out. Um, even an F1 engine needs a break and needs maintenance. So no one is so, no one is so gritty and resilient and ambitious that, you know, they're, you know, they're just immune from, from burning out, right? Everyone mm. needs a break. Everyone needs rest. And I think that in this day and age where we're so stimulated, hyper-stimulated, so many, so much advertising, a glut of information, less is more, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a time for yourself, um, you know, to, to be quiet, uh, whether it's two minutes, you know, you want to work up to five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Mm. I, I highly encourage it. And yeah. I think it's the only piece of unsolicited advice that I'll give. And uh, I will have to totally agree <laughs> with that. I love that piece of advice because with um with that piece of advice, it helps with everything else, such as, you know, listening to aneurysms and knowing how to critically think about it. Because when you meditate, you're focusing on that self-awareness and you're, it's fundamentally, I think it's like a foundation, right? For success or health or well-being in every other point of life is to know thyself right know thyself well and that comes with sitting still and and being present and yeah you know just existing and like you said having peace 
yeah, there's just so yeah. much to it. And I think I'm still such a young student in this space. So thank you so much for sharing mm. your experience with meditation. I'm honestly really excited to keep keep embarking on this. It's challenging. I admit it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And you know, something yeah. really interesting, I, I heard about it um, recently, also from Huberman Lab podcast. I just love his podcast, yeah. by the way, big recommendation, yeah. is he talked about this thing called the refocus meditation. And you know how when some people, mm. when they meditate, they find their thoughts drifting and they assume, oh, my thoughts are drifting, therefore I failed this meditation. So his point is saying that actually your thoughts are drifting and the whole part of seceding is you recognizing that and pulling your thoughts back to the present. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's 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 absolutely it. You cannot meditate unless your thoughts are active in a way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just brain dead or comatose, right? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. No, I like that. I like the way they put that. So, and put another way, uh, Sam Harris, who also is a huge proponent of meditation, he he talks about the goal of meditation is not to completely eradicate yourself of anxieties or mm. depression. It's not that you'll be impervious to the pain and suffering in life. It's that you reduce the effect, like the half-life of the effect on you, right? So, um, and this was totally in line with what the teacher um, was saying at the end of every day, like there was a lecture. He said, you know, let's say like you're not going to go back to your everyday life and just say, oh yeah, I'm like a meditation master now. Like, I'm, like Nothing can get in my way. It's like, no, you know, maybe before if something really terrible happened to you, you get taken out eight hours for eight hours of your day. Okay. Well, can you reduce that to maybe six hours? Mm. Right? Maybe at one point you, you, you tend to get frustrated for, it takes you like an hour to get back, you know, to, to the present and get your composure. Well, maybe it takes only 30 minutes, right? Mm. So you're not, you're not making yourself impervious. You're just developing the skill to be present and to mm-hmm. dissipate whatever anxieties, uh, which are a lot of time things that don't even exist right now. Like mm-hmm. if you think about what is the problem right now, you're the thing that you're anxious about is actually not really of any concern in the present mm. moment, right? Wow. So, yeah. So, um, the other thing I learned is how much I crave stuff mm. and how much I am averse to things. So, um, when we think about suffering, uh, we, we usually think about, you know, when traumatic events happen in our life, right? Yeah. Or, you know, when you're you're like two hours of sleep and you're trying to get through your day, you're like you're really suffering. So um, he made an important distinction that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't need to compound our pain into suffering by by having pain about the pain so basically suffering is pain about the pain <laughs> so um yeah so i i realized how many I, i'm averse to so many things I'm, i crave so many things and and the teacher also said you're gonna it's not that you just renounce all your worldly things and become a monk he's like no that's not the point the point is do you know where your aversions or your cravings are coming from Right. So how that relates to in my career is that, yeah, I don't want to achieve more success in my career if it comes at the cost of of my of my peace of mind. Mm, right. Right. Uh, or like being uncomfortable. Let's say. Oh, here's an example. Like on the weekend, there was this there's this lady who came into the piano store and she worked two doors down at a tattoo shop. Mm-hmm. And. I had said hi earlier today and was like, hey, you should come into the store and like, you know, check it out. And she's like, okay. She ended up coming. She was, she just kind of talked, talked and talked 
and it was like half an hour past when we were closing. And I was like, in my mind, yeah, I could be like going home right now. I could like dismiss her, but she sounds like she's genuinely wanting to share about her country. She was like so proud of where she came from. She's from Chile. I was like, and then at the end of that, like it maybe took 10 minutes longer than if I say, Hey, you know what? I really love to chat with you more, but I got to go. I actually didn't need to go. So I just just sat with it. I was like, you know, let's hear what this lady has to say. And I was the one who invited her her here anyway. So, you know, it seems kind of, you know, douchey to be like, yeah, well, like, you know, come over, but then only on my own time. Right. So, no, that's an that's a small example recently where I could have been averse to. I could have been like, "Fuck!" Like, just shut up. But, you, know, you don't need to. You don't need to always get what you want. Right? Yeah. I, I, and that's another thing in life. It's not about getting what you want. Because is, is what, what you want what you really want, though? You know. Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Damn. That is a that's a profound example because like let's say you're like okay yeah fine oh god I finally got got some peace of mind she left and then what's the next thing you're gonna go oh shoot pay for parking oh how am I gonna get home it's yeah. gonna be more stress compound right so just that act of being still in the present listening to her story let me know if I'm projecting by the way this is my my assumption of like how yeah. it went it's like oh wow this is great I'm listening I'm tuning in I'm not worried about what's next worried about what's past yeah. I'm just listening right yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, another another very like superficial example was I was getting ice cream with a friend and I was I was like hyping this place up they had, okay it's a Asian inspired ice cream place mm, has like okay. Hong Kong milk tea ice cream wow. and then uh, do you know do you know the white rabbit candy yeah they, they had a white flavor? they had a white rabbit flavor where they melt they melt the white rabbit candies <gasps> and infuse it in the milk like, oh, it was what so is amazing. ice cream place please hey, when you come to Calgary, I'm taking you there. Okay, sweet. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, really close. Sorry, this is my ADHD brain. Uh, it, it was <laughs> relatable. It, it, was started, it was started by two uh, Vietnamese cousins in Calgary mm-hmm. during the pandemic. So I have like a real soft spot for them because it's a local business and they started during a really challenging time. So anyway, Aww. I digress. The point is I was really hyping this place up and then uh, my friend and I meet there and I was going to pay. I was like, oh, shoot, I don't have my card. Okay, um, uh, can you pay this time? And I was like, I'll, you know, I'll get the next time. And she's like, Oh, my wallet's in my car. I was like, Okay. So we get out of line. It's a long line up. We mm. go to her car. She's like, Oh, my wallet's not in my workout bag. Ah, shit. Oh, uh, it's, you know, it's at home. I was like, Okay, here, let me see if I can do like contactless payments. I, I still don't do tap payments on my mm. phone. I don't know the reason my car doesn't allow it. So I was like. Yeah, we can probably go to the extreme and like e-transfer them some money, but that's probably going a little too far, and we're gonna hold up the line. So we're like, you know what? Let's just get ice cream another time, right? But mm-hmm. I th- yeah, that's such a small example. Not, no one was hurt, but like it's an example of where we didn't get attached to a certain outcome, and mm-hmm. we were just kind of going. And we ended up having like a really cool heart to heart. We reconnected after like three or four years having not seen each other. So awesome. the point is not the ice cream. The point is like the connection, right? Absolutely. The intention, yeah. the focus of it. Oh, I love that so much. This is so heartwarming. I love this conversation. This is great. <laughs> and I really love the thing you said about suffering is a choice. Like pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. I think I yes. um, heard somewhere where like, where like, yeah, in the moment, maybe experience pain. Afterwards, if you choose to keep dwelling on it, reminding of it, you are basically choosing to relive that pain over and That's over true. and over again. And it's like rationally, let's say you got tortured once, like someone like, stabbed you with a knife or you know something like that would you actively choose to keep 
stabbing that knife in yourself, right? Yeah. As a literal like metaphor of that. No, but yeah. people do that mentally, right? You go mm. through mental pain and you choose to constantly rethink it. Obviously, it's hard to like take charge of your mind sometimes. Sometimes it comes up mm. unsolicited, like trauma. I'm not like trying to dismiss any of that. But for yeah. some people, it kind of is a choice and they don't, they aren't self-aware to realize that they actually can choose to not let that infiltrate yeah. their minds, right? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right with that. Um, what I've heard, uh, and I, you know, like for the listeners, like definitely like fact check this, but uh, have you heard of Gabor Mate? Mm-mm. So Gabor Mate is a psychologist. He's been featured on uh, like Tim Ferriss's podcast. I love uh, Tim Ferriss. And, and, and yeah, so he's, he's somebody who is an, a researcher in the field of trauma. And mm. he said that your pain is not a bad thing. It's telling you something, mm. right? It's telling you something. And the question is, are you going to respond to it, right? Mm. So the fact that somebody's still affected by something that happened when they were a kid, that's a sign. It's a, it's a sign that you were in danger at the moment, but you don't necessarily, as you said, you don't need to necessarily respond the same way that you do. But here's the thing. You will continue to respond the same way that you do unless you choose to respond a different way. Mm. Right? Yeah. So I like yeah. the word you said, their choice until you choose to respond a different way. Um, But I think some people don't realize that it is a choice, right? And Mm -hmm. it's all about, you know, taking ownership at the end of the day. Obviously easier said than done, but Mm -hmm. that's a great point. Mm -hmm. I'm just just looking at time here. Holy cow, like we're we're (laughs) like an hour. So yeah, I'm just thinking, uh, yeah, do you want to wrap up? Yeah, sure, let's wrap up. Um, Have you shared everything you've you've wanted to share regarding the meditation retreats, challenging status quo? I guess like, yeah, if not, I'd love to hear a bit more about even, oh my gosh, so much I want to ask you. Just what would you like tell your younger self, I guess, or like what what, what would you tell our listeners? I know we talked about so much in this episode, but like anything you want to share. Okay, thank you. That's a great question. Um, Great jumble of questions. Sorry. <laughs> so I think I think the the statement I'd like to uh, say last is the nature of life is impermanence, and when we deny that reality that life is impermanence, like or life is always changing, we develop pain and suffering in our lives. Okay, so what is the antidote to that suffering? What I think is the antidote is meaningful action. Mm. Okay. So what does it mean to act meaningfully? Um, I think that is responding to the changes in life with, with wisdom and, and wisdom is, is knowing the best that you can do given the circumstances and accepting that. So that basically sums it up. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Carlo. So much yeah. for the conversation. Absolutely loved it. I am not surprised that we went to almost two hours. As with conversations with you, I feel like we can talk all day if needed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited for, for our next conversation. So thank you so much. And I guess as a wrap up to this for our listeners, if anyone wants to, you know, get in touch with you in any case, is there somewhere that our listeners can reach out to you and connect? Right. Um, <laughs> I'm not as active on Instagram, but I do respond to mm-hmm. messages. So, uh, I'm Santos.pianoguy on Instagram. 
uh carlos santos uh look for the guy with the piano uh profile picture in on facebook but i i really love just when people reach out and just hey do you want to have a conversation so if you want to reach out uh if you want to hear more i i just love connecting with people so love that yeah i'm you know you, you if you have someone that that contacts you through your show that you think you know would, would meaningfully want to connect with me then yeah please please share with them like my email Mm-hmm. Or, or number. So yeah, get in touch with me. I love to hear about who you are, what you're Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Love that. Thanks. I'll link that all down in the description for you guys. Well, thank you so much, Carlo. This was such a great conversation. And uh, that's a wrap to this episode. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks, Mag. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 61. I hope you guys gained a lot out of that conversation. I especially loved the learnings from the meditation retreat and all the stuff we tied in regarding self-awareness. You guys know how much I love self-awareness and preach self-awareness as a fundamental, the foundation to practically everything in life from reaching happiness to success to overall self-healing and self-improvement. It's all about the comfortability comfortability with confronting yourself so thank you guys so much for listening and uh, yeah as per usual if you wish to stay in touch with the podcast make sure to click follow on spotify apple wherever you listen as well as on instagram at i'm in my 20s and also guys i'm in a bit of a dilemma right now with how to structure the um, content I release, you know, in terms of do I do video? Do I go on TikTok? Do I blah, blah, blah. So if anybody has feedback whatsoever, please do let me know. But as always, guys, I really appreciate all you listening and supporting on all these listening platforms. It really does mean a lot. Keep reaching out with your feedback and love. And if you do love it so much, please give me a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple, wherever you listen. That would mean a lot to me. Thank you guys so much. And I will talk to you guys again in episode 62.